Um, we have a special treat. Um, Liz is getting ready to share with us just a moment, but as we do so, I want to remind us of something, and that is as we participate, as we enter into the kingdom of God, and as we recognize God is doing work in us and around us all the time, that there is calling that all of us should have our hearts and our ears open to be led by the Spirit to whatever God is calling us to do and participate in and create. And it happens in various ways. Sometimes it happens to individuals. Um, I, when I was in college, I felt this calling to change my career direction, to go a direction that God was calling me to go in, so I, I, I made that shift. Sometimes as churches, God gives callings into ministry. It's about eight years ago, we, in a business meeting, were praying for about six months leading up to this meeting about, are we going to purchase Eggleston and use that building for ministry in our community? And so we, we voted on that and began the journey of having space for not only First Baptist to do ministry, to partner with other people in our community to do ministry out of the facility. And then that connects with um, Liz as she comes up to share with us. Liz and Mark Cooper with us this morning. So Liz felt a calling from God a few years ago, and she's going to explain that and explain how then her calling matches our calling, and together we're doing ministry together on the top floor of Eggleston. But as you listen to her words explaining the calling that she received and also looking at um, all about her ministry, I want us to all be thinking about, am I ready to receive a calling from God? Am I ready to hear God's voice speak to me and lead me in different directions to, to go a new path or to go a, a slightly different path or a huge turn in our lives? And as we experience the kingdom of God, we need to be ready for God to speak to us and call us to something powerful. So. Um, Liz, welcome, and Thank Mark, you. as you guys share with us about Sorry. the passion that God has laid upon your heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let me get pulled up here. Thank you so much um, just for this opportunity to be here and to share with you about the Freedom Center. Um, that's our ministry. And um, it's just an incredible story. I could spend an hour just talking about the story behind it. I won't, but, um, but I could. Uh, it's just a very powerful testimony that the Lord continues to, to write um, and uh, meet needs that I, I didn't even know to ask for yet. Um, and so it's just really cool. So I'm going to pray um, kind of over myself <laughs> in, this, in this service, and then, um, and then I'll, I'll just continue to share about it. But Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that for the freedom that we have just to be here together. Um, Lord, I thank you for your presence that's in this room, and I just pray a blessing um, and a spirit of healing and freedom over this congregation and this church as a whole. Lord, I just thank you um, for the, the obedient and the open hearts that are here this morning. Lord, and I just pray your, your spirit and your anointing over me, that I would anything that I would speak would come directly from your heart, um, and that I would share ultimately your vision rather than mine. Um, we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Freedom Center came about, um, and you can go ahead and show that first slide. Um, the Freedom Center came about 
in November of 2019. And so, Little background on myself, I'm a therapist, um, and I was still in school at the time in my master's program um, to get my therapy degree, and I was in my internship, and so I was working, and I was with this family, um, just doing, I couldn't call it therapy, but it was um, at the time, and, and they were kind of doing their own thing, and I had my work computer out, and I just felt this, just a, I just felt compelled to open up a blank Word document and um, I just had this idea, and I just started to write, write out this idea for the, what eventually would become the Freedom Center. Um, in my undergrad, I did minor in community development, and so I had to take a lot of nonprofit management classes. I always knew I wanted to do some sort of community service center like that, but I never, I didn't feel like I had a calling yet on specifically what that would look like. Um, so this is really interesting for me. I just pulled up that document, and I started writing this idea for um, Christian therapy, Christian counseling, that is either free or um, extremely affordable, um, that also has a worship and prayer room tied to it. So the Freedom Center essentially is a therapy center, but we also we will have a, a, um, a worship and prayer room going on throughout the whole business day of the Freedom Center, meaning if we're open from 9 to 5, then ideally, eventually, our goal is to have live musical worship going on in our worship and prayer room throughout the whole day as well. Then that's something we'll grow into as we start. Um, but it's two parts. I always like to start that as two parts. And it's not one or the other. It's not we're a therapy center and we are also doing this, or we're a worship center we're also providing therapy. Both are equally important because um, our mission statement, we exist to provide opportunity for healing, for, for freedom, healing, and revival in Jesus through therapy, prayer, and worship. My heart is to take the most holistic approach to healing and to freedom as possible. The spiritual aspect, the prayer side, the worship side of um, healing coming through Jesus, healing coming in a spiritual way, but then also the, the science and the psychology behind how our brain works and how our nervous system is activated and how it functions, how our body carries stress, traumatic stress. Um, any mental health issue that we have, we carry it physically often. So neither one of these are obviously wrong. The spiritual, ultimately, healing does come through Jesus, and I believe that 100%. Ultimately, our healing comes through Jesus. But if we can pair what Scripture says and what we know of Jesus with what we now are learning in this field about our brain, and there's still a lot we don't know about within our brain, but if we partner it with what we are learning about our brain and our nervous system and our body, and we can take that knowledge and partner it with Scripture and the power of Jesus, like, why would we not do that? <laughs> when I was in school, it was like, man, I was just blown away. I kind of nerded out over um, how our brain works, and which is very surprising to me. <laughs> um, but I did, and I was just like, man, but, but, and I'll share a little bit of my story in a second. It, that was resonating with me so intensely because of what I had experienced emotionally and spiritually already with the Lord. I've had experiences with God that I cannot explain. Um, very deep, inner, emotional healing that, you know, that came in a moment of prayer or in a moment of worship, surrounded by people who truly loved me, some friends that I had, and... I can't explain how I came out of that different, but it was, I was a different human. I've been saved since I was a kid. I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing the Lord, and I 100% believe my salvation came at 11 years old, but my healing 
a true healing, did not come until I was 22. And so that, that span, it wasn't that I wasn't saved until I was 22, but sometimes our salvation and our freedom, our healing, don't happen at the same time. Sometimes they do, but mine didn't. And so it blew my mind that I had spent basically my whole life knowing the Lord, knowing church, knowing all these things, knowing scripture, that I didn't really actually know him until I was 22 and I met him right there in that room in that prayer session. It blew my mind. And so then that was my background as I'm sitting in my master's degree, learning how our brain works and our nervous system and activated and how our body carries trauma and how our body, when we have a mental health issue, we have anxiety or depression or, or whatever it is, how we carry that. It's like, no, that's why, that's why I didn't know. Um, I thought I was healed and I wasn't because my body, my body was under so much stress from, from some things. So it was like, it was like I had discovered this, like, I had this, like, mind-blowing experience. I was like, everybody needs to know this. And so as I'm a therapist now and I'm becoming, um, just growing in, that, in my career and that, working with my clients is like, first and foremost, my prayer is always that I would see them as the Lord sees them. I try to pray over my room, my couch, as often as I can. Um, and just, I want to meet my clients where they are. And that's what's different that's one of the differences, big differences, in coming at it holistically rather than just the psychology part or just the spiritual part. You bring in the spiritual with the psychology, and my clients don't always know I'm praying for them. They don't always know that I just prayed over my couch right before they walked in the room. Um, but there's something different. I can't tell you how many times, I wish I could, that I've had a client say, there's just something different here. Like, they've been in therapy before their whole lives. Or they grew up in therapy. They had a bad taste in their mouth. But this last-ditch effort to come back, and they'll say, there's something different. There's something different here. There's something different in your room. And I know that I've been praying over the whole thing, and they don't. And sometimes I can tell, share that with them, and sometimes I can't. Um, but it's just really humbling, and it's such an honor to walk through things um, with my clients. So all that to say, the Freedom Center, my heart for the Freedom Center is only to offer opportunity for freedom, healing, and revival. Opportunity, I like to point that out, that word opportunity, because if you force anything on anybody, like I don't like to be told what to do. And I don't like, you're not gonna, don't, don't force it, but you, you, you open the door and you allow opportunity. If, peop, if people are hungry, people are gonna come in to eat. So if they're spiritually hungry for Jesus, they're gonna come in. If they're spiritually, if they're hungry for freedom, like it's my last ditch effort, I need to do something, I'm coming in for therapy. They're hungry for, to be healed, then they will come in. And so we, I wanna, I, my heart is to just have that space for people who are hungry and in need. They have a place. They have a resource in place to come and receive whatever it is they're needing. Um, you can go to the next slide. I'm going to go through very briefly just our core values. Um, I like to do this because, one, it gives you an idea of who we are as an organization and a ministry, kind of our identity and our foundation. But also there's... Um, there's an accountability piece here as well because the goal is that all of our staff and all of our volunteers, anybody who's representing the Freedom Center will operate, um, work from these core values. And so if you ever come in and you experience us, whether it's in the worship and prayer room or it's in a therapy session or whatever, and we violate one of these or we are not living up to these, like I wanna know that 
because part of our leadership structure is going to be that everybody, whether you're a volunteer or a staff member, full-time or part-time, anywhere in the spectrum, you are being discipled by somebody. So, um, so there's, there's consistent discipleship meetings going on, continual check-ins with everyone going on to make sure they're, they're, um, they're growing, they're healing, they're, they're fulfilling all of these. So we want to know if we don't live up to these because we want to fix it and we want to make sure that we are, we're holding the standard of who we say we are and not just having things on paper. So these are in no particular order necessarily except for the first one. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give the scripture reference for each one of these and then um, just talk about it a little bit, but not a lot. So love. Everything we do, I, my heart, is that we do from a place of love. First John 4 talks about how God is love. It's very simple. God is love. So if we can live and operate and serve from a place of love, then we are doing our best, in my mind, to mimic the ministry and the life of Jesus because he is love. God is love. So the scripture reference we have there is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have no love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have no love, I gain nothing. So how my brain works when I read this is if I do the Christian ministry life extremely well, I have all faith, I can move mountains, I serve so well, I give everything, I sell all of my stuff to the, and give, all, I give away all my money to the poor, and I, and I serve extremely well, but I don't do it from a place of love. If I have no love in me in doing that, it doesn't mean anything. I gain nothing, I am nothing, I'm just making a bunch of noise. So we can do therapy really well. We can bring in the most skilled and gifted musicians and singers. But if we are not operating and serving and worshiping and meeting clients where they are from a place of true Christ-like love, it doesn't matter. It's not about the skill. It's not about what we actually are doing necessarily, but it's about where our heart is. And if our heart is not in alignment with the Lord, who is love, then we're missing it. We're, we're off. We're off base. So... The only hierarchy, this is not in any specific order except for love, because I feel like it encompasses all well. Um, the second one is growth. Um, the scripture reference I have there is 2 Corinthians um, 3.18. And it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So... With that discipleship structure within our, all our staff and our volunteers, I believe we've never really made it like with the Lord. We can never get so close to Jesus or so grow in our faith so much that we're like, I don't need to learn anymore. I have nothing more to learn. I have nowhere else to go to grow. Um, this says we're going from one degree of glory to the next. So we, the glory never ends because the Lord is glory. So we're always, we can always draw closer. We can always know him more. So if us as staff and as volunteers we're pouring out these two sides of worship and and therapy there's a lot of giving involved but we can't give ourselves to our clients and to the community if we have nothing to give like if we are not continually growing and continually getting filled up and continually um, learning and growing closer to the lord we're gonna get depleted we're gonna run out 
Um, so that's also part of the discipleship structure is we want to continually grow um, so that we can best serve, but also, more importantly, so we can best honor Jesus. We want to honor the Lord above all else, and we can't do that if we don't know him. So we're always growing closer to him. Healing is the third one. Um, James 5.16 is what we have there. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. In my mind, um, the word sin there, of course, is, is, is when we confess our sins, we're confessing what we have done wrong, what we've, what, the sins that we've committed. But it's also things that have been done to us, wrongs that have been done to us. Sin is anything that separates us from God. So anything that's not of God separates us from him, or at least comes in between he and I. So when I confess my sins, when I speak them out, there's power of life and death in your tongue. So when you speak something out, and then you receive prayer as you speak that out, that you may be healed. That's what it says. So that's very important, obviously, in our therapy rooms. And I'll get into one of my soapboxes. It's trauma, unresolved trauma. And I'll get into that in a second. But that's a huge ministry in the therapy room is speaking out what is in the dark, speaking it out into the light so that Jesus can come and redeem and reconcile all of that to himself and ultimately heal you, heal us. Um, but as a staff and a volunteer base, to if we are not continually seeking ways to be healed, or if we're not dealing with our own stuff, it's going to be very difficult for us to help you deal with your stuff. We have to be accountable in that same thing. Um, so it's a value that we have to live from a place of healing, to operate from a place of healing because we've experienced the power of the Lord for us. Um, so that's part of also the discipleship structure that we have for the leadership um, as well. And it's a value that we have also. All of these are a value that we want to hold and live from as a staff, but also part of how we are um, wanting to serve the community. We want all of these things to be something that we can help the community, help our clients grow through, walk through, all four of these things. Um, and then family, um, obviously, is definitely not last on purpose. It's very important. <laughs> um, but our, our scripture reference there is Ephesians 6, 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I've always been very passionate about kids, about family. My major um, in undergrad was children's ministry and community development, and my goal was to do inner city ministry. I had a job lined up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then the Lord very much, like, called me elsewhere. Like, like a week after I was, week before I was supposed to go, um, just, I just had an encounter with the Lord, and I knew I wasn't supposed to do that, and it was heartbreaking. That's the thing about calling. Sometimes you don't want to do it. <laughs> um, it was heartbreaking. I really wanted to go, but um, if I didn't, if I didn't listen to the Lord in that and I didn't follow my calling here now, we would not be here. And I can so see how the Lord orchestrated things, even though I didn't right there in the moment. I can see now, like, how different my life would have been if I would have went up there. So I've always been very passionate about family and about kids and about just ministry in general. Um, but becoming a parent has completely changed all of that. Um, and, and it's just not really changed it. It's just added to that, um, built upon that. So... We value family in a sense of we want to give our staff and our volunteers the capacity and the space to parent well. First and foremost, your ministry is your family, not your work, not your job. 
So if I, I, this is part of the reason that my heart is not to build the Freedom Center on the backs of volunteers. Like I don't want to open until we can, until we can pay people well. Because if you're a volunteer and you're coming and you're giving us your time, you probably have a job also, and you're involved in your local church also, and you have a family at home. And if you don't have a family, you have friends, you have a social life, that you need community. So if you're everywhere, you are nowhere. So that is not the precedent that we want to hold. I want to be able to, when you're at work, you're at work, but when you're home, you're home. And if you're at work and your family needs you, you need to go be with your family. All the way, from there, all the way to, we're having a monthly worship night right now. And it's really surprising to me how many people have come, one, but how many of those people are families, young families. You have so many kids who are there on our, um, or I feel like it's a lot, um, at our monthly worship nights. And so, and we want, we want that. We want our, our environment, especially in our worship and perm, to be a place where parents feel it's okay. Bring your kids. Bring your kids. Supervise them, but bring your kids. Um, let it be a family-oriented moment of worship. Um, so we want to value family as your first and foremost, your ministry. I'm going to talk a little bit now about each of our ministries. So first I'm going to talk about our worship and prayer room. Um, this is, I could talk for a long time about this too. Um, but the heart, my heart behind the worship and prayer room is simply to create a space um, where you can come. So what the worship and prayer room is going to be, like I said, ideally we're going to have um, live musical worship going on throughout the whole business day. And so what we've started now, they're called abiding times. And so they're two hour slots of just very relaxed, chill musical worship going on, and it's a come-and-go type style. So for two hours, music's happening. You can come in anytime you want. You can leave anytime you want. It's not like a corporate thing. It's not a corporate worship. It's all individual. Um, but it's a place for you to come and just simply be with Jesus, however that is for you. So you literally can't do it wrong. If you want to come in and you just want to rest, you take a nap, you're journaling, you're reading scripture, you want to walk around and pray, you want to stand and worship, you can do any of it. Um, it's just a place, something I've been praying over it a lot is that it would be a place of rest and revival. So you come in tired and weary and burdened, but, and you, and you're able to just lay that down and rest in the Lord's presence. And then you leave revived and ready to go. And you leave like a new person because you just spent 30 minutes, an hour, five minutes, whatever it was with the Lord. And when you, when you're with the Lord, things change. So you leave changed. Um, Scripture here that always comes to mind is, well, a theme, let me say first, is um, just intimacy with Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I'm going to read that real quick. That is a, a verse along with another one that always comes to mind with this room. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He says, I never knew you. So essentially, just like this passage on love, you do a lot of powerful really good ministry things, all in the name of Jesus. But if it comes down to it and you don't know God, you don't know him, it was all for nothing. 
So there's something to, when, you, when your pursuit is to Jesus and it's intimacy with him, ministry will naturally flow from that. Your gifts will naturally be activated and flow right out of your pursuit of him. So I've, I've been told sometimes, it's just like a, I could come in and sit here for an hour and be with Jesus, or I could go out and serve for an hour at the soup kitchen, or I could serve and, or go spread the gospel in the streets. Absolutely, and you should be doing that. We should be doing that. But how much more powerful are we if we are first filled up with the Holy Spirit, filled up with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, with the presence of God, and then we go do that. It's like transformationally different. We're a different person if we're doing that after we've just been with the Lord for an hour or whatever. Um, I just know I don't want to be on that side where he says, I never knew you. I don't want to get so focused on what I do that I lose the intimacy with the Lord because ultimately, my husband says this quite a bit, our highest calling is to know the Lord. If we know the Lord, our actual calling and our anointing and our gifts will all, they'll just come out. They'll just, they'll naturally, supernaturally happen because we know him. And I think it's really interesting in Jeremiah 31 at the same time, 31, 33 through 34, it's talking about the new covenant. And it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. For they shall all know me. It all comes back down to knowing who the Lord is, knowing who Jesus is, knowing who our Savior is, who our Father is. If we know him, everything else just works. It, it, it just is. It will come. He will place the pieces. So the worship and prayer room at its very core is a place for you to come and just know Jesus, get to know him more, to grow, to get filled up. And we want to offer that throughout the whole week, essentially, the business days, because life is hard and work is hard and ministry is hard and we get wore out. And if we can have a place where we can just like go and literally just rest, my life has sincerely changed in rooms like that. I've experienced rooms like that all over. I feel like I've had such, I've been blessed very much with experience um, in ministry leadership and rooms like this. Like the Lord has exposed me to so much that has brought me back here able to um, build something like the Freedom Center because of the experiences that I've had in my past. And rooms like this is where I've encountered and heard the Lord's voice and known him more than ever before. And of course, you can do this in your room. You can do this in your own closet, absolutely, as we should be. But there is something about community, doing it together, walking into a room where the environment's already been cultivated. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. You just bring yourself. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That kind of idea, you can just walk in and be who you are with the Lord. So at the very core, that's um, my heart behind this worship and prayer room. So our therapy services, um, like I said, not one is more important than the other, but um, we are, so our worship and prayer room already has events going on. Um, so every Tuesday morning right now from 7 to about 8.30, we are having what we're calling an abiding time, which is a really, um, like I said, just calm, chill um, time of musical worship where you can come and go. So it's every Tuesday morning people are coming for that. Um, but we're also on Facebook Live during that time as well, if you want to join that way. 
And then the third Friday of every month, we're having a monthly worship night. And that's more corporate worship. That's more of a what you would imagine in a, in a worship setting. Um, so we're already having those, um, the third Friday of every month, which is this coming Friday, by the way. Um, so the worship prayer has already kind of partially opened, soft, softly opening. We'll continue to gradually softly open that. Therapy, though, we have not been able to open at all. So as you know, we're in Eggleston, which is a lot, an old school, which is a lot of classrooms. Um, and we were just given, um, we applied for early, you know, late in the year. And then we, were, um, we received a grant at the end of the year, beginning of this year, to completely renovate two of our classrooms upstairs. And so um, you can go to the next, the next slide. One of those classrooms is um, going to be, so the first two doorways that you see are going to be restrooms because we have no restrooms on, our, on the top floor. And then the third doorway is going to be just a fairly large storage closet. Um, and then we're going to replace the floors um, in, in, this, in these classrooms as well. And the next slide you can play, it's a video. This is the other classroom, and we are creating, um, or we're building three therapy offices, fairly large therapy offices, and a small waiting room that you saw as you walked in. Sorry, my daughter is um, in this featured. Um, so that is a pretty recent video, I think last week or a couple weeks ago maybe. Um, the drywall's going up, things are going very quickly. We are on track to open in June for therapy. So that's very exciting. Um, it's incredible just how fast I feel like. Like I said, that when the whole dream or vision and came initially was November of 2019, and here we are at the beginning of 23, not even four years later, and um, we have an opening date, basically-ish, um, <laughs> June. So, um, so yeah, it's incredible. It's very exciting. Um, Part of my heart, though, for therapy, I'm going to back up a little bit. You can go back to that therapy services slide if you want. Um, this is something I need to, like, I could talk for a long time on this. This is one of my soapboxes. Um, but something I've seen and experienced personally, so I've been through therapy myself. I'm a therapist now. Um, very much exposed to that world and something that has stuck out to me so much, which is where my, kind of my passion, my heart originally originated, was just the financial burden that therapy can be. Um, how expensive it is, um, if, if, if there's an office that takes insurance, how spotty and unstable insurance, you know, maybe I'll pay, maybe I won't, I'm only going to pay this much and then you're left with it, but there's never a clear answer on that. So it's harder for the client to know what they can expect and it's harder for the therapist to know what they can expect. Um, a lot of confusion when it comes to insurance. Um, so there's just such a financial burden. And something that really just breaks my heart and gets me pretty angry is when people have to stop therapy because they can no longer afford it. Because they're not ready to stop. They're not, the insurance has stopped paying and they can't come anymore. Um, but we weren't told the insurance was gonna stop paying. So we didn't know, we didn't, we didn't prepare to end but you, we still need to keep going, but we can't because we can't afford it. And it's just like, that's so heartbreaking and frustrating, and I get angry because I don't think healing or one avenue of healing should only be available to those who can afford it. So part of the Freedom Center is we are gonna offer therapy that is affordable and accessible, and no one will be turned away based on their ability to pay. So we're gonna hold that principle and hold that standard from day one um, 
because, like, what I've seen, and, and this is, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but what I've seen and what I've experienced personally and then what I've seen in my clients is the influence and the power that unresolved trauma has. Um, and when I say the word trauma, a lot of times, when, at least for me, before I was in this field, my mind would always go to either veterans or soldiers or police officers or some sort of active duty profession is where I heard the word trauma or PTSD. And absolutely, absolutely, um, I don't want to discount their service or their experiences at all because it is there. But it's very, it's not limited to just that. So many people have unresolved childhood trauma, things that have happened to them, things that they have seen, things that they've experienced and gone through, that they are carrying, we are carrying physically. And it, it, it turns into mental health stuff, anxiety, depression, sleep disorders, mood disorders, all of it. Then it can even encroach into our physical health. Um, not always, it doesn't, they're not always related, but sometimes they are. Our physical issues and our emotional issues are sometimes very much tied. Not every time, but sometimes. So it's like, it just like, it, it enslaves your entire life. When all you need to do a lot of the times is be given a space that is safe to talk about things that you have never talked about. To share with someone who cares about you, loves you, and is listening to you, and is safe for you. To tell someone what happened to you that one time or what you experienced ongoing throughout your whole childhood and into your adult life. All of these things that we're not supposed to talk about, that's scary to talk about, or I'm not really sure if that happened to me, but I'm pretty sure that happened to me. To share that, that's taking something from the dark into the light. I fully believe that the enemy hides and thrives in trauma because trauma is something none of us feel okay to talk about. We, we, we don't feel comfortable to say, yeah, I experienced something traumatic. And most of us probably would say, no, I haven't. But then there's this assessment I can go through with you and we can check off some things. Did you experience this? Did you experience this? And a lot of times we have three or four, yeah, I experienced that. And it's amazing what happens when we start to talk about those things that we thought were normal, we thought it was okay, no, it doesn't bother me. We start to talk about it. The change from the inside out, literally, that begins to happen when you spend time talking about those things working through those things, processing those things, healing from those things. So the power that unresolved trauma has over us is insane, and I hate it. And so to do something about it, that's where my heart is. A lot of the work that I do as a therapist is trauma work, going to the places that we don't want to go, walking through the things that we don't want to walk through. Sometimes it resonates with me a lot personally as um, Psalm 23, when it's the valley of the shadow of death. Um, deep darkness, valley of deep darkness. And it's like, but it, but it says, your rod and your staff comforts me. You still got to walk through it. But if you're walking through your trauma and you're walking through your stuff, being led and you're pursuing Jesus who's guiding you and walking you through this, you're going to get to the end and he's gonna, there's going to be healing and restoration at the end. I believe Jesus can redeem and reconcile all things to himself. And I believe he wants to do that. So my heart for therapy comes from that, um, a place of unresolved trauma that is just um, so prevalent and so common that we don't, I don't think we realize how much it exists. Um, I think one of the biggest lies that we're told and that we come to believe and know is that you're just expected to live with it. Learn these coping skills, take this medicine, you'll be okay. You just gotta live with it. You'll learn to live with it, you'll learn to be okay. 
Coping skills are 100% necessary. Medication is 100% okay. But they're not forever. You don't have to use or be on both of those for the rest of your life to, to live your life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. Well, if I'm coping every single day, if I'm just getting by every single day, that's not living my life to the full. And that's not that Jesus came that I would be able to live my life to the full. So that's what I want to do. And that's what therapy is an avenue of healing where we can learn to do that together with you and your therapist or me and my therapist. And, and I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, you know, not just professionally, but my personal experience in this is it works. And there's things to that. And Jesus is in that therapy room with me. As a therapist and as a client, I've experienced both. Um, so yeah, so you can skip two more slides down to the th sponsorships. So like I said, we are on, um, we're on track to open in June for therapy. Um, and like I said, we want to hold the principle of being affordable and accessible and not turning anybody away. And we will. I fully believe the Lord is going to provide for us to do this. Um, but we do have needs in the meantime. We do, we do need some things right now. Um, what we want to be able to do as a ministry is to offer therapy for $30 a session. Um, but in order to do this, the actual cost is $90. So we would like to have funded that $60 worth of one session covered for each client that comes in. And I believe we'll get there. But if we have to open where we don't have that across the board, everybody's $30, we want to have a fund at least set aside of money where we can provide that for people who can't afford the $90 or can't afford. We want to be able to cover the difference of what they can and cannot afford. So I just have these three kind of tiers or sections um, of what this amount of money would cover each month. So if you're giving $60 a month, what you're doing is you're going to be sponsoring one therapy session a month. So someone who's coming once a month, maybe someone's very first session, um, whatever it looks like, you're going to be able to cover one therapy session a month. $120 obviously will cover two therapy sessions a month. It is very common for clients to come twice a week, no, twice a month, um, every other week. And so that would cover their, th their sessions for the, for the month as well, if people are coming every other week. And then obviously $240 would cover someone who's coming for weekly sessions. That would cover them to be only have to pay $30 for their sessions each week. So I just want to get these numbers in front of you. This is our goal, obviously, by June. But um, we're believing the Lord's going to provide whatever it is that we truly need by June. Um, but if you're interested, you feel led, or you want to partner with us, um, please talk to me at the end. Um, we'll hang out for a while. Um, and yeah, please ask your questions or, or, or share with me whatever you'd like. Our last slide there is just our information. Um, if you do want to give right now, you can scan that with your phone if you want. Um, or we have a P.O. box um, where you can give as well if you feel led to do so. But like I said, we'll be hanging out at the end. Um, we'll be available for any questions or anything you guys have or anything like that, but I really, really, really appreciate just your time and allowing me to be here and come. Um, Eggleston has been a huge blessing, and um, I had never been there. I didn't know about it until I knew Eggleston existed, but I, I didn't know it was available as a space um, until Randy and I started talking. So it's been a huge blessing, a huge God thing that we were even there, and so we're very excited to continue to, to grow into it and make our changes and different things. So thank you so much.